0: Welcome to the Digital Transformation Podcast, interviews with best-selling authors, innovative thought leaders, and top-shelf executives, all driving today's digital success. This is the show that will help you take advantage of digital transformation to build your business and career. I'm your host, Kevin Crane, and I'm so pleased that you're listening. Our guest today is Paul Stone. Paul is a solution architect and product strategist at Flowforma, a team of business and process and digital transformation experts dedicated to making intuitive, affordable process automation tools that empower business users to get work done smarter and quicker. And we are here talking about why it is important to incorporate no-code process automation into your digital transformation strategy. So Paul, welcome to the show today. These days... Everyone is looking to technology to achieve a competitive advantage, but there are many challenges to digitizing your business. You need a strategy that matches your business goals with milestones and a path to actually achieving those goals. With so many options out there for people to consider, why is it important to include no-code process automation in our strategies, and how does it fit in?
1: Thanks, Kevin. Well, process automation is a well-known area everybody has a business process that involves resources working together to achieve their goals. No code is just another way of saying that you can remove dependency on IT resources. Combine the two and you get your business resources applying process automation to those processes. It sounds very idealistic and there's a lot of hurdles to overcome before you can make it real. But we have seen it working in many organizations now, big and small. It's hard to know what has changed in the past 12 to 18 months Is it the push to remote working or the availability of technology or both? But organizations where they were testing the water in the past, they are now taking the plunge and seeing no-code process automation as a strategic initiative. It's really making a difference to digital transformation in organizations.
0: So with no code, you are providing, literally providing business users, process owners with the tools to build systems and make process improvements on their own or with minimal support. And that makes a lot of sense to me. But it also sounds like it could be risky. What can you do to control the risk when you give people the power to build their own systems?
1: Yeah, there's certainly a risk when you give so much control to business people over what used to be, you know, IT's domain. Um, but I'm uh, putting in place a framework for innovation you're enabling those business resources to be creative and um, and to work on business processes that they know better than anybody else so they have this in- inherent knowledge of of the work that they do and how to do it best and um, to achieve their own business objectives and um, but in terms of allowing them the creativity to to build those processes you need to put some kind of framework in place. And um, the first thing that we would do is we would recommend that you onboard your business resources, you train them up and make sure they they understand what they're doing in terms of process design, but also in terms of how they're going to actually construct those IT systems using that no-code system. But then IT can be involved as well, and they can have control over the environment that the business resources work in so they can deliver um, sandboxes, for example, to uh, business people where they can play around and, and be creative um, and be innovative in the process design. And IT can control the production environment. So when a business person wants to move their idea and the process into production, they can go through a gate where IT review the process and make sure that it's good for good and ready for production. Also, with many of these um, systems, uh, you can you can actually validate the system as it's being built. So, in other words, the system will have inherent ability to assist the business user in the design of the system and also validate all the, the business and um, the design that the business user comes up with. So, we will check as you go along, creating your process steps adding questions for data, uh, for example, or business rules to carry out actions like sending emails and so on. The system will actually validate everything that the business user is doing to make sure that it's right.
0: It sounds to me like the best of both worlds. You have business owners, process owners, developing systems and being innovative. And yet you have, as you put it, the gate or or the participation of IT when it counts the most. Um, so it seems like that would be almost a no-brainer for organizations to move forward. But you did mention one thing that definitely needs to be considered that maybe I hadn't thought of, and that is the impact of the people that are doing that citizen developer work. You're putting tools in their hands, um, and that has a cost, both in terms of money and time and training uh, as well. How do you balance that cost against the benefits?
1: And I think the real key is the onboarding program that you use for your staff to get them up and running quickly so that they're delivering benefits in a matter of weeks. So it's really important to um, not just train the staff on what to do, but help them along in the first instance so that they can get something uh, process automated as quickly as possible. And then you can put in uh, a monitoring system that actually tracks the the processes as they're executed and so that you can measure the benefits that that they're returning. And this can be done very quickly so that you're actually putting a, let's say, a process in place in uh, two or three weeks, uh, and then you're immediately measuring the impact that's having on the business. Um, So this is something that uh, allows you to work in a very agile way. So in the past, where process automation used to involve a heavy investment um, upfront, and modern kind of cloud-based systems uh, have a pay-as-you-go type of approach, and that you basically, you can start small. Um, onboard your resources quickly, get the results, build momentum. Uh, and that's the way we, we recommend that you implement these kind of uh, no-code process automation systems, that you basically um, get measure the results. <clears throat> and through the benefits that you achieve early on, you build momentum uh, uh, for change within the business.
0: Now, I've heard a lot about no code. I've heard about low code as well. What is the difference between low code and no code?
1: That's yeah, a very good question, Kevin. I think if you look at um, uh, low code systems, they, you will find that they still have a requirement for IT to be involved in the process of building the solution. Um, And what that means is that it adds, first of all, a cost um, to involve those IT resources, but also it slows the process down so that you cannot move in in quite as agile a way as you might do if you weren't so dependent on those resources. But to to be able to remove IT, if you like, from the building equation, you have to look at a no-code system. So a no-code system is built purely using configuration so that all you do is you configure a system without having to go and learn any kind of computer language or anything like that. And if I give you an example of that, um, I had a client recently who um, wanted to do something very simple, pad a, a code with zeros at the front. And I showed them a single line of code that would do that for them. And they said, no, 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 no we can't do that. That's That's coding. We don't do that. We don't understand that. Um, so I went and uh, delivered something that uh, into the system that allowed them to pad zeros by just filling in a, by configuring a form, and they were much happier with that. So it's uh, it's it's basically the the difference between requiring an IT resource um, or being able to do it on your own.
0: We were chatting a bit before the show and I was mentioning that listeners often tell me that they struggle to get the support and buy-in that they need both from IT and perhaps at the C-suite level. Uh really they struggle to get the, the the resources that they need to truly innovate. Do you feel that a no-code approach is one way to overcome that sort of organizational gap?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think with a no-code approach, you you give people the ability to become to be creative with the way that they work and um because the problem with it having an entire resources involved is that it adds a kind of a bottleneck uh, and it slows everything down and there's lots of um, procurement uh, processes in place that you have to go through to get those it resources allocated and so on so i think if you adopt a no code approach you can become much more creative um, and you can demonstrate the benefits very quickly uh, i think that's really key and and where a lot of digital transformation pl- um, programs falter is that they don't den- demonstrate the benefits quickly, and that means you lose momentum. Mm. So if you can if you can actually have the agility to go in and build a solution yourself in a, in a matter of weeks uh, and show the benefits um, very quickly, it helps to get support from stakeholders and C level resources because you're showing the the, the nature of the of the impact that you're having through innovation um and as i say in a lot of digital transformation programs that use um uh, traditional approaches for transforming a business um it it's just it's a slow process and without early benefits it's difficult at sea level to, to justify further investment
0: Oh that's a good that's a really good point looking for those kind of quick wins. Can you give us an example of where I might find those quick successes and build that credibility and support?
1: yeah, absolutely And um, we see no code being used in a wide variety of industries across the globe um and while there is no one specific area and um, there are many different um process types that are being digitized so for example product development which is a stage gate process you can quickly um, put together a solution for product development using a no code system um, but also there's other areas as well where we where clients are seeing real benefits such as the ability to involve external parties in your process and um, so at the moment you may be for example exchanging emails with your external parties you can simply, um, using, um, so Forma, for example, you can simply have a step in the process allocated to an external party. So it's, it's having that ability to um, externalize the process is, is really critical.
0: Is it time to reach a new audience in a new way? Advertising on the Digital Transformation Podcast gives you the opportunity to do just that. Each week, you'll reach thousands of listeners, all tuned in to learn about strategies, products, and approaches that will help them succeed. Be a sponsor and get your message heard by the right audience. Learn more at digitaltransformationpodcast.net slash sponsor. That's digitaltransformationpodcast.net slash sponsor.
1: You're listening to the Digital Transformation Podcast.
0: We are speaking with Paul Stone today. Paul is a solution architect and product strategist with Flowforma. You can find out more at flowforma.com. Now, Paul, how does no-code process automation compare against other digital strategy initiatives in terms of its spend versus the benefits?
1: Well, if you look at many uh, digital transformation programs, they focus on... um, Large initiatives. So, for example, implementing a CRM system or a ERP system. But with those large initiatives come very large costs. Uh, it takes some time to justify those costs, and once you get the ball rolling, it takes a long time um, to realize the benefits of those high um, high cost initiatives. Um, with low with no code process automation, you can start um, with a much lower investment and you can use the returns on that investment to justify further expenditure later on. So I think the really big difference between, um, let's say a no-code process automation uh, initiative, and let's say an initiative to replace the ERP system, is simply the, the costs early on are far lower with no-code process automation. And the other thing is the benefits are v- very obvious. So once you've started down this this road, it's very easy to um, see those benefits and use those benefits as justification for the investment later on.
0: Well, let's talk about those benefits. What about some of some of the softer benefits? I, I can see how it may save time. I might uh, offload a, a burden from IT, but how does it help me improve the performance of my business, the intangibles? Does no code improve things like customer service or employee experience?
1: Absolutely. And there's several aspects of, to that. First of
0: all, what the no-code process automation movement
1: allows you to do is be very agile and respond, for example, to your customers' needs. Uh, and as those needs change, you can quickly change your processes to adapt to um, to your customer base. <clears throat> so it's a great way of uh, be, being very agile and adapting to your customers and your suppliers and your employees needs as well and um, to make sure that your processes are aligned with those and if you have processes that are aligned with your your customers expectations or exceed your customers expectations obviously that's going to uh, improve your customer experience improve your customer level of satisfaction and in addition to have an ability to involve the customer in the process and um, makes a big difference as well the it, increases your efficiency obviously but it improves your customer experience as well because the customer sees the results of their actions so let's say um, you send a customer a a link in an email they click on the link they fill in their uh, survey or their order request and then automatically they get an update back that uh, the the request is being processed and they can track that request as as it goes through the organization through the business process. Um, it really makes a difference to a uh, customer that their needs are being met. Also, there's uh, other intangibles as well. Like if you look at um, uh, many of our customers use for former for interacting with their suppliers, um, because you can involve external stakeholders. So your suppliers can actually send you information and they can apply, for example, to be onboarded in, uh, as a supplier to your organization. Uh, they could also um, enter in uh, purchase order details and so on and uh, invoice details directly into into the system and be an active participant in the process. The same effect goes for employees. uh, Employees as well. The interesting thing about employees is that you can obviously obviously automate your business processes in relation to employees like um, your HR processes and so on. But the other thing to say is that Employees also benefit from being empowered. They they feel that they've really achieved something when they built their own system, and they can measure those benefits. Uh, and it can really make a difference to their level of satisfaction with the company that mm-hmm. they're actually being they're able to implement processes that are directly relevant to them, that they feel a level of ownership on, and ultimately, um, those processes and the improvements in those processes benefit them in terms of achieving their own uh, objectives.
0: That's a great point, Paul. You have now employee buy-in and ownership of that new system or that changed process. Uh, often process owners or workers, frontline workers, feel imposed. Uh, there is an edict that comes down that we will now use a new system or maybe IT comes through and says everything's going to change. And you can get to a point where people are actually resisting that change. But what you're saying with this approach is that now, the very people that are using the new systems are the ones designing it. And so they have an intrinsic buy-in and embracement of the new way of working that then brings about even further benefits than ever before.
1: Yes, absolutely. And certainly we've seen in our customer base um, a real change in the attitudes of people who are building processes. The fact that they feel that they own the process, that it's their baby in effect, um, really makes a difference to not only the better design of the process but also the adoption of the process because they will cooperate with their co-workers to get that process adopted during the business and of course an adopted process is is a process that's delivering those benefits at the end of the day
0: that's right you can implement all the technology you want but if people are not using it or not utilizing it the way it's meant to be then it can all be for naught Now, you did mention a couple of examples, but can you give us a specific example of one use case or an organization that you have worked with that you feel has been successful in using this approach and how did it work for them and how can we do it too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, if I were to take an example from the construction industry, where uh, the construction industry is a bit of a... uh, is lagging behind if you like the many other industries because they're very pay- heavily dependent on paper um, but they're very keen to move off and if you look across the industry we we have have co- uh, customers in many different countries who are in construction and want to move away from paper um, and what we find is that um we have a company who's who is very keen to push a digitalization initiative and they decided that instead of just automating one single process, they were going to automate as many as they could initially. So what they did, uh, surprisingly, and they surprised even us, was that they automated 42 processes over the space of 10 weeks. Um, so two guys got on a, a training course, a two-day training course, and then managed to digitize 42 processes. It was really quite amazing. And um, they basically worked with each other, um, you know, pushing each other on. Uh, and, and went live with 42 to, to begin with. And of course, as soon as they did that, uh, it was a massive change because this was an organization who had been using taper before and uh, with very little digitization, emails, spreadsheets and paper. Uh, and now suddenly they had a uh, 42 digitized processes, really significant change.
0: So that must then give that organization a significant edge on their competition. I mean, I would imagine other construction firms may be in the same sort of boat with their reliance on paper and the inefficiencies that come with that. Here, this client of yours automates 42 processes. Do you feel then that gave them a competitive advantage over their competition?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And that's indeed all they were interested in so they did they, they, they digitize to an extent um to to save costs of course uh, and to increase efficiency but it's all done at the end of the day it's a very competitive business a very low margin business yeah. and it's all about really um you know having a, a better operational procedures than your than your competitors yeah, it's very critical so um they absolutely did uh view it in, the, in that way uh, and that was their intention from the outset you yeah. know
0: how does Flo- forma help, and where can we find out more if we want to take the next step?
1: Yeah, well, we offer um, a trial uh, process. So basically, uh, we have a lot of information on our website, including a lot of case studies of uh, of people who've done this and done it well. Um, but we also offer a trial based process, so you can try it before you before you buy, and um, you can sign up to a trial by going to our website uh, or putting in a contact request through the website and um, we'll get straight back to you uh, and get you set up and, with a trial we also um, on occasion will offer you uh, you know templated uh, processes to try out and um, so for example in the construction industry we've got uh, a set of templates we can provide to you so uh, what I do in the first instance is go to our website have a read of some of that content uh, and then put in a request to have a trial and we'll get you set up in no time <laughs>
0: Do you want to be a guest on the Digital Transformation Podcast? Well, it could happen when you join our Knowledge Leadership Circle. Tell us about your ideas and advice. What technologies and solutions do you recommend? And how can our listeners benefit from your approach? Be a guest. Find out more at digitaltransformationpodcast.net slash guest. You're listening to the Digital Transformation podcast. We have been speaking with Paul Stone, solution architect and product strategist at Flowforma. Find out more at flowforma.com. Now, Paul, we have reached the action item round of the show. I like to ask for action items that we can do to take uh, advantage of your ideas and advice. Can you please provide us with three quick bullet point suggestions that our listeners can do to begin to take advantage of your ideas and advice?
1: Yeah, first of
0: all, I'd look
1: to see... Um, Uh, look to identify business processes in your organization, which if they were digitized would have a real impact. And we always talk about, you know, people should look for Captain Obvious, the the processes that are there that everybody participates in, but right now are run on paper and spreadsheets and email chains. Those processes are ripe for digitization. So go and find out what those processes are and maybe map them out, have an initial stab at, at what the process actually looks like on a piece of paper. The next thing to do is contact a Go and um, go to the website, sign up for a trial, uh, and talk to us, and we will help you digitize that process. The next thing then is to champion the process. So what does that mean? Well, basically, digitization um, is often something quite new to a lot of companies. Um, They're running on these traditional methods of communications, like emails and so on and to move to a digital, truly digital process is, is a cultural change. So what we need to, to help that cultural change is you as a business person need to sponsor this initiative inside your organization. So you need to um, support this initiative and get your uh, resources um, to take that jump, make that leap to, digi- to using digital processes. And typically, in our experience, once they've made that short jump, they once you've tried it out, basically, um, you'll see the benefits very quickly.
0: Paul, it's been great speaking with you today. We're almost out of time. But before I let you go, one last question. What should CIOs and executives and business owners, all of us really, be thinking about now and strategizing for in order to be prepared for the world in five years' time?
1: Yeah, I think base, I think uh, digital processes uh, are something that's going to simply become uh, prevalent everywhere um, in five years time. So for one way or another, you'll be using digital processes in five years time uh, because it standardizes, um, it standardizes your interactions um, and helps you uh, achieve things very quickly. So that's for sure something that's going to happen in five years. Um, But what I'd say in addition to that, so at the moment where we are is we have um, processes, we're talking about uh, digitizing your your paper-based processes and so on. In five years time, and that will include aspects of artificial intelligence where artificial intelligence will be looking at your, the execution of your processes and suggesting improvements to you. Mm. And this is something that we're already looking to build into our own product. But this is something that for in five years time will be much more prevalent. Um, so that's, I think, the key direction uh, of the of, dig- of process digitization looking forward into five years.
0: Well, Paul, we'll have to have you back on the show to talk exactly about that. The conf- confluence of of process automation and AI is another area, as you mentioned, that is going to be breaking open here in the next not not just five years, five months, perhaps. So we'll have to have you back to talk more about that. But that is Paul Stone with Flowforma. Find out more at flowforma.com. Paul, thank you so much for being our guest today on the Digital Transformation Podcast. You're welcome, Kevin. Enjoy being here. That'll do it for this episode of the Digital Transformation Podcast. But join me next time when I continue to talk to best-selling authors, innovative thought leaders, and top chef executives all driving today's digital success. And I'll talk to you next time on the Digital Transformation Podcast.